You are listening to Mommying While Muslim Podcast, where hosts Uzma and Zeba share their personal stories of mommying in a post-9-11 world. This podcast is designed with the Muslim American mom in mind, so grab a cup of coffee and pull up to their table. Assalamualaikum, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mommy While Muslim Podcast. This is Uzma Jaffrey. And this is Ava Hassan. How is everybody? This is a Friday yet? It is Friday, right? It is Friday. <laughs> I'm, I'm that kind of tells us how you doing today. <laughs> how am I doing today? No, you know, it's just one of those things where I feel like all of us are kind of getting, um, you know, this is when we usually travel. This is when we do fun stuff as a family. And I definitely feel like some of that is coming to a to a head. Um, and then my poor like seven year old keeps saying, "We're really not going on vacation." I'm like, "No, honey, we're not even leaving the house." So we're we're definitely our our <laughs> you know our governor is becoming a little bit more strict. Um, put in a mandatory uh, curfew yesterday. Like obviously our numbers are extremely high, so we um, are now slowly uh, going not back to quarantine time, like full shutdown mode, but I definitely feel like we're starting to prep for it, to be honest with you. So just that mental fatigue of that, knowing what's coming the first time around, you know, you're kind of excited. You're like, Ooh, now you're just like, yeah, I run out of things on Netflix. So I'm not quite sure what I'm going to be doing. Uh, maybe I should actually catch up on my, my classroom work. Um, so I do, I do have a lot of reading to do. Um, including I do want to uh, plug this book. I know it's called the divine names and what we've been doing is learning about different um, names from, you know, Allah and really helping evoke some of those um, qualities. Um, and I feel like it's just something, you know, we're, we're trying to do to find some more mental peace um, in connecting to spirituality. So that's what we're trying to do to kind of go through all the, the dull drums of what's coming. But I know you didn't have that great of a week either. So what has been going on? Give me an update on what's going on with you, my dearest. Well, it's going to sound like soapboxy, um, but my soapbox is completely different. <clears throat> we had heavy rains uh, this week in uh, my city and kind of across town. And I live in a brand new house. And I woke up to a flooded bathroom, a master closet. Oh, that's the and worst. In your and brand new renovation. Lived in house for six months. I know. Six months. No, I mean, this part of the house was a completely new build. All of this was newly constructed. Oh my God. Six months of leaking. So, you know, it just, it kind of made me think about social media mm-hmm. because we see the best pretty parts of everything, but you don't know when the leaks are going to show up. Exactly. And that's kind of what 2020 did for everybody, right? <laughs> like water's coming in and we weren't ready. <laughs> so we're um, swimming. We we're swimming. Do in the house. Yes, basically. And remember, I don't know how to swim. So it's, uh, oh, no. yeah, I'm behind the curve. So that was kind of my week. And, you know, I feel like also kind of an allusion to this entire month that we're doing, like mm-hmm. why this mental health series is so important, because so many people, you know, myself included, it's like we put smiles on our faces and we go on like, oh, yeah, we're gonna be fine. Everything's fine. Everything is not fine. It's not fine. <laughs> we're all hurting. Mm-hmm. We're all scared. Um, we're all sad. Our lives have changed drastically. And even though we 
thought that the election would make us feel better. We still have a pandemic on our hands and our lives are, you know, irrevocably changed. You can't get this year back. Yeah. You know, so lives are being lost. Businesses are being hurt. People are hungry. It just... I'm feeling a sense of overwhelm and I think the leaks pushed me through, I'm like sorry. pushed me over the edge. Like that was like the last run in my stocking and I lost it. Uh, girl, <laughs> like, how long? I'm done. I'm just checking out. <laughs> so so when are, when do you wear stockings? Can I just ask that? Oh, no, I stopped doing that because remember when we were going, <laughs> I don't know if this is, uh, Who wears so stockings your mom's anymore? American, you're really lucky. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't. Obviously, where I live anymore, I don't wear stockings, but that was a metaphor. But when we were growing up, our moms would make us wear those knee highs okay? because, you know, your feet can't show, even I've, though the knee highs were nude colored. So I don't know what that accomplished. I've never but heard of this. But in Texas, I grew up wearing knee highs. Are yeah, you I know. kidding? I know. Girl, so no, I'm, I'm, hope, not. I'm hoping you're letting them fly now because I can't even imagine trying to wear those. Do they even sell knee highs anymore? Like, I remember my grandma used I to wear those. I haven't looked for them, to be honest, like, since I, rem- I left my parents' house when I was that's 25. That's so funny. But um, <laughs> we can yet. go off on tangent uh, because that's just where our mental health is. But what is our soapbox exactly. for today, Uzma? Our soapbox for today is a fun one. I wanted to talk about a militia group leader whose name I will not mention on air because I don't think he should get any more um, airtime than he already has. But we will have the link to the NPR report on the trial and conviction uh, of this person in our show notes for today's episode. So basically, this white militia man uh, bombed a masjid in Bloomington, Minnesota in August of 2017 while people were there. Thankfully, the men that were there, I think it was around Fajr time prayer, were not injured. The same person went on to bomb an abortion clinic later and had plans of violence against um, the untouchables, you know, people who are protected by the government. His examples are Antifa. Oh my gosh. And George Soros, the billionaire. So one of his plans included going to, I believe it was Costa Rica, to kidnap Tupac Shakur's aunt. Oh my god! I can't even make this up. Oh, I'm sorry. This sounds made up. I know. I know. It's real. These are real people, and they really believe this. And, you know, it's great that he was convicted, and I believe he's going to be in jail for five years for bombing a masjid because it is being charged as a violent hate crime. However, even though it doesn't say, um, they say a lot of stuff about how violent it is and how discriminatory his acts of um, violence were. They never once called it terrorism. They never called it domestic terrorism. They never called it any kind of terrorism. In these reports, I have not read the court proceedings yet. I'm looking forward to looking at that. Um, And the reason I point that out as an American Muslim is we are so quick to call non-white people black and brown bodies terrorists if they commit acts of violence whether it's against a group or not whether it's a hate crime or not they are very quick to call it terrorism when it's a non-white person we want to level the playing field there is still work to do i don't think five years is enough to put somebody behind bars for bombing a house of worship and having additional supplies to create more bombs on his property that the fbi found so 
I am looking forward to counterviolence and extremism, this committee that was started after 9-11 to target black and brown people to actually do its job and find the actual domestic terrorists and stop the media propaganda against brown and black bodies. That's our soapbox for today. I mean, I appreciate that. Um, it just really is such a shame. And it kind of, like you said, the run in your stocking, the needle, not the needle, the, the can't, what is it? The straw that broke the camels, but the straw I'm trying to think of camel. like, what are the, oh, I can't even think anymore. Okay. But I mean, that's yeah, why I, I know, feel, certainly. that's why I feel like this month um, that we're, we're really highlighting mental health is extremely important. And perhaps we should have done like a whole year mental health series, to be honest with you, because I, <laughs> I feel like we all need it. Um, so I don't think we could just put it into a month, but the fact that we're doing that, I definitely appreciate it. But as we alluded to earlier, we are continuing our series on mental health. Um, last week, we obviously talked about the changes we've noted in our own kids um, this year during lockdown with schooling, social distancing, election year, riots, all of that. I mean, just to be honest, mamas, we've suffered through it all too. And we've had to be the backbones for our family. So we just, you know, a lot of us are secretly going into the closets and crying. Or when I take a shower and cry, did I say I, I did not mean to do that. Um, when we are like <laughs> hiding, you know, we're, we're doing those types of things because we're trying to, we're suffering some of this stuff too. And we, we kind of have to put our big girl panties on and be the mom and, and kind of like put on a face to make our kids, you know, feel comfortable um, with their life changes, but the reality is we're actually going through it as well, you know? Um, and I'm really excited because we have one of our MWM team members, Dr. Saba Maruf. She is a psychiatrist who specializes in treating children, adolescents, and thankfully us adults and mamas. She's received her education at Wayne State University, completed her residency at Henry Ford Hospital. Um, she works very closely with the Muslim community. So she really has um, her hand on the pulse about what's going on right now. Um, and she really does a lot to do to dispel some of the stigma um, in, in our communities about addressing mental health issues, because we definitely need this. So I guess I'm going to ask you, how you doing, Dr. Saba Maruf? And it's so good to see you. Assalamualaikum. Welcome. Assalamualaikum, guys. It's so nice to see you and connect with you both. I feel like we have, it's been a while since we talk. I know that we do little check-ins, um, you know, every, every once in a while, <laughs> <do>. but it's, <laughs> you guys always make me laugh and, uh, and I really appreciate that actually. And actually that's kind of one of the, I mean, it's like, yeah, any, these days, anything that makes me laugh or like, it just, it's kind of like, it just feels that much more. I really, um, appreciate it. Just like a good belly laugh, right? It just kind of makes Yes. you feel better, yeah. at least for the time being. <laughs> as, long as, as long as you don't pee in your pants with the laughing, yeah. then, then we're all good. That about, can happen we're all too. good with that. <laughs> I'll take that too. That's all right. Um, for those folks who don't know you, Saba, yeah. we usually start with kind of your mom's story, a little bit about how uh, many kids you right. have, how old they are, and your momming philosophy. Yes. Um, well, thank you guys. Thank you so much for having me. And um, I love collaborating with you um, on this phenomenal show. Um, but yeah, um, for those of you, um, I've been on a few, uh, once or twice before, but that don't know me. Um, I current, I, I'm a mom of four. So between, um, between the three of us, we have a uh, what would that be? 12? 12 kids. <laughs> 12 kids. Oh so, my God. I know. Mashallah. <laughs> we have a village. We have a village of kids between the three of us. 
And I think um, our kids are uh, similar age ranges too. So my oldest is um, just started high school. He's uh, 14, 14 and a half. Then I have a sixth grader, 11 year old. So two boys, the, the two boys are older. And then I've got two girls ages eight in third grade and then a kindergartner. She's going to be six at the end of this oh my month. God. So That's I know. And you know so what? Long. I know you guys can relate. It's when that youngest one is that youngest one gets older. It's, I, I mean, you kind of miss the baby stage, but you just feel like you're, you can spread your wings a little bit. It's free. Yes. You can, <laughs> oh my God. See, you guys say I can breathe and I have dreams about somebody dropping a baby on my por my porch <laughs> and being so excited about that. <laughs> my son Note tried to show me a video oh, of been, a baby yesterday. I was like, take that yeah, away. They've been trying to see, convince me. If somebody me. dropped a baby off, I'd be happy. Oh, I know. I do. I do. I love babies. No, and when I look at their pictures, I feel a little bit sad. My kids are trying there. They've given me a choice. They're like, either we can get a kitten or you can have a baby. I'm like, oh, thanks, guys. Well, your dad's okay. allergic to cats. But never mind that. <laughs> I would still take the kitten. I know. I I'm, try. I'm trying to convince him if we can do that. <laughs> but the one thing I really wanted to focus on, because I think that this is such a huge thing within our community, and we've talked about this, Usman and I, privately, um, about the mental health stigma, specifically in the Muslim community, and, and talking about getting help. Like you, People would much rather think you're possessed by jinns then you have That's a true. mental health issue. It's really sad. It's true. I'm like, or they need to go see a, a psychiatrist. So can you mm -hmm. tell us, first of all, just talk a little bit about what you see within the Muslim community that you actually represent and what can we do to kind of like get rid of this stigma? Because I have to say, it's really frustrating to me. So I think that's interesting. And I, I kind of wonder if there could be regional differences too, depending on uh, which community you're part of, what part of the country, how active, like, you know, if you're kind of in a bigger metropol me uh, metropolitan area, bigger um, active community, masjid, because, or mosque. Um, I mean, I don't know if this is because I, this is kind of what I live and breathe day in and day out. I'd like to think that it's getting better. Um, but of course, just when I think that I'll, I'll hear of a story where it's, you know, you kind of, you hear the opposite, right? Um, I do think it's a little bit better in the past, you know, maybe I would even say five years, but you know, that could actually be my own bias in the community that I live in. And I will say, uh, part of that is because the imams in our area are really, um, they're very informed and really welcoming of talking about these topics because they're really the front line, right? Actually, um, and this is not just in the Muslim community. Oftentimes, the uh, religious or faith leaders are the ones that are really on the front line in terms of uh, mental health issues, family issues, um, couples. Um, they're really seeing it all. And I know, for example, like our imams, I mean, they're actually at the brink of a breakout. Like they actually, um, burnout, sorry, breakout, oh. burnout. They, um, you know, like I know one of our dear imams, he actually kind of had to actually kind of make his own boundaries that he would like limit this, these kind of, if somebody's coming to seek advice for these kind of, for mental health issues, really, that he does, he'll counsel them, kind of like help them with like maybe um, two visits. Even I think that's a lot. That's like probably a few hours of his time, you know? Um, and then he will go ahead and refer, and we have a very good relationship. Um, we have a lot of resources that are easily ac um, accessible. Um, but I think that's that's actually really key in our communities is that having imams that are well mm -hmm. in informed and really willing to talk about it, um, incorporating um, these topics into their khutbahs, um, just making making it known and um, accept, like known that this is, it's acceptable. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for every disease that he has sent down, he has sent, we know this, he has sent, has sent the cure. 
Um, but it's interesting. I think that the uh, stigma, I mean, there's so many different reasons. One of them, I think it's because a lot of, of course, mental health, uh, behavior, This it's, it seems like this should be under our control, right? We should be able to um, control our mood. We should be able to control um, our behaviors. Um, why am I allowing this to, why am I so sad? Like, am I not strong enough? Like it kind of is a reflection of number one, our faith. Of course, that's a huge, huge, um, misconception and myth that, um, I am depressed. That must mean that I'm not praying enough. That must mean my, my faith is not strong enough. Uh, or does this mean that, um, Allah SWT is angry with me, upset with me? Um, that, that's a part of it. And then, I think it's we feel like it, uh, these issues. We sh- we feel like we need to, we should have control over it, and I think that's also. I mean, if we just dive right in and talk about medications, I think that a lot of times that can be why people are afraid um, to sometimes to start medication, even if they need it, because they feel like it's something mind altering. It's something that's going to control my behavior, and again, it's like this um, uh, flaw or this defect in me that I'm not able to do this on my own. I don't know. Those are just some thoughts. What do you What do you guys think? I agree with all of that. You know, I think it's not just within the Muslim community. Mm-hmm. That's something that we see outside of that as well. Cause I have so many non-Muslim patients who are resistant to any kind of treatment yeah. or diagnosis uh, of mental health uh, or mental illness, because they just, you know, they weren't raised to believe that that was okay. Because like you said, I should be stronger, yeah. you know, and I think people give themselves a lot more credit um, than we need to, mm-hmm. or, I would say, I think a better way to say it is burden ourselves more with more responsibility than we actually have. Mm. Um, And to remember that some things are in Allah's control and that, you know, our bodies, our minds included, are an amana or a trust from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if some part of it is not working right, the onus is on us to go figure out how to fix it. So now that we've identified some of the stigmas and some excellent ways, I think, um, allying with the imams to get mm-hmm. them invested to work against the stigma is a brilliant idea. But since you've been over this year seeing, you know, I know you were crazy busy when the pandemic first started with all of these um, appointments that you had with patients who were calling. So you've seen probably the gamut of what people have gone through. What is the state of moms, Muslim moms' emotional cups during this pandemic in America right now? What have you seen, heard, or experienced without compromising um, patient identifiers? Um, you know, that's a, that's very true, uh, Uzma. I do feel like, um, you know, as and I'm sure you also, you know, I think any of us that are kind of involved with, uh, with, um, with people and, and patient care, uh, and, and I guess for me, I do, because I do see all ages, I do feel like I see kind of kind of a gamut, the full spectrum of kind of what people are going through. Specifically, when we're talking about moms and Muslim moms, um, I mean, well, I think, number one, it's an interesting time because we can all relate and we truly are all in, in this together. So it's kind of, it's a very unique situation where I know in many ways, not exactly, everyone's circumstances are a little bit different. Um, in many ways, I have you know, I, I have uh, economic privilege. I, you know, have re- access to resources. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about my, you know, uh, job security, um, things like that. But in a, in a way, we can kind of all relate to each other. Um, and um, I, I know what it feels like. Um, of course, you know, there there's so much. As moms already, we have such a huge 
um, we have so much on our shoulders at all times when we're talking about um, not just education, but Islamic education, the pressure of like trying to raise our children to be good Muslims. That in itself is so huge. Um, trying to give them strong identities, um, uh, you know, help them be more resilient, help them, you know, be, but then also be open to talking about feelings, being open to being there and making sure that they, that they can talk about feelings, helping them to express that. So what are Muslims dealing with? Sometimes it's very, well, sometimes it's very easy to kind of forget about ourselves and where we fit into all this and who's taking care of us. And that's kind of the challenge, right? Of adulting pre-pandemic or during the pandemic, um, especially for those of you guys, if you live away from your parents, if your parents don't live close by, it's like, it's like kind of, um, it's a big thing. You, you kind of feel like you're taking care, you have to take care of yourself too. And that's something actually that my mom told me a long time ago. And I think it's so true. It's like, you can't really expect anybody to take care of you. So you do have to prioritize yourself sometimes. And that mm -hmm. means sometimes if you need a break, letting your spouse know like, Hey, I've had it. I've been home with them all day. Um, like, uh, and I, I just, I just need a break. I'm just going to sit in my room for a little bit. Um, or I'm going to go for a walk. Actually, speaking of my youngest being turning six, I will say that's kind of the nice thing is I have been going on walks every day. I've been making that a priority um, at one to three times a day. It. And it's been ugh, so good. And I'm just, I, I feel bad. Actually. I know a lot of, um, I usually post it on my Instagram, which feels, feels kind of silly, mm -hmm. but a lot of my friends have been like, Hey, you've really inspired me to walk. So I'm like, okay, good. Cool. Yes. But then the, um, the moms of younger kids, I, I kind of want to put a caveat, like, look, it took me like a few years to get to this point where I can just be like, Hey guys, I'm going for a walk. I'll be back in 20 minutes and just leave. Like you can't do that with the two year old. Yes. So just, you know, you kind of have to find what works for you um, at this time period. Um, so just, yeah. And, and many women definitely Muslim or not, the burden falls on women. Um, I know women that, uh, single mothers, um, or even if they're married, because the kids are home, uh, oftentimes it's it's the wife, the mother that has to kind of put maybe her career aside, maybe turn her whole thing upside down and work from home. Um, and a lot of times the burden does fall on the moms, and oftentimes the the women are the ones that kind of have ones that kind of have to sacrifice more, and then so they we do kind of carry a different type of burden. No, I totally agree with that because part of me even wants like. I was like, I just want to be the only one in my family that gets COVID so that I can be like quarantined somewhere else for just like a day, <laughs> a minute. And I know that sounds selfish, but I do, I agree with you. And, and, and I feel like, uh, you know, you're the one, I think it was either you or somebody else that put me in that Peloton group. Oh, yeah. or, there's like a Muslim Peloton group. Mm -hmm. And honestly, even if it's 10 minutes, 10 minutes makes such a huge yes. difference. So I want people to say that. And, and even if you do have a younger child, like you said, like we have older kids so we can be like, I'll be back. See you later. Put them in a stroller. Let them go yeah. for a walk with you. You know, like yeah. you can bundle, even in the coldest days, you can bundle them up. And quite frankly, yes. vitamin D is good for everybody, regardless, even your younger, your youngest child. So I, I feel like don't make that that's an true. excuse from going out and, 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 and claiming your mental health as much as you can, because like you said, we're carrying our own burdens. I, I joked the other day, I'm like, each of you are individual, right? My husband only really thinks about himself. I mean, he thinks about the kids, but not as much as I do, obviously, because he'll be listening to this later. So I love you, honey. You do a lot. Um, my and but each of my individual <laughs> children, you know, they they only they just because of nature, they're only thinking about yourself. So you're thinking about all of them. You're thinking about your husband. You're thinking about yourself. You're thinking yeah. about the household. You're thinking about dinner. All of that stuff starts coming onto you. And if you have anxiety, which as I have been open in talking about that 
that pretty frequently. Like, how can we separate our own anxiety from that of our children's, right? Like, I do that all the time. Like, my daughter is anxious about something. Like, you you talked about your son starting high school. My daughter started high school virtually this year and thought it was going to be like the high school musical. Like she really thought like it's the people are going to break out into dance and 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 honey, we're in a pandemic. That's Zach Efron. What is is it Zach Efron? Honey, he's not coming to save any of us right now. Okay, so that's the point. It's like it's it's managing their expectation, managing our own expectations, and how mm-hmm. do we not take on some of their anxiety on top of everything else that we're dealing with as moms. Uh, as adults, we feel like we have to fix everything. Um, and the interesting thing I think with with teenagers is some uh, is they sometimes they just need a space to f- be heard, feel heard, feel that you support yes. them, feel that you can come that they can come to you um, with, with whatever they're feeling. And and I think it's it's um, acknowledging what they're feeling and not minimizing what they're feeling. We are dealing with this in a certain way. We have coping skills. We have the ability to look long-term and kind of deal with things with a little bit more patience, just because our brains honestly are more developed and we have more experience and right. But kids are, it's very much in the here and now and everything can feel very huge and catastrophic. Um, And Mm -hmm. I mean, they really have kind of lost a lot. So I think just being there to just acknowledge what they're going through and, um, and not trying to necessarily fix it, but letting them just express it. Sometimes that, that, that can go a long way. On Instagram, I did like a live with a friend of mine who's a therapist. And that's one thing that I really liked that she said was um, when we're checking in with our kids, don't just look for like if they're not on task or if they're not paying attention or if they have a missing assignment. Mm-hmm. Of course, we have to do that. And that's the other burden, right? Checking their grades and stuff. But um, checking in, if you find that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, then giving them kudos for that. That actually is kind of a, as helps us too, because we don't always feel like the bad guy. We don't always feel like that we're right? We never want it to be those moms that are just kind of like always nagging. And um, and so and so you don't have to be. So really like looking for those things, looking for the times and the moments when they're doing what they're supposed to do or they're handling a situation well and giving them that feedback. I think that's really important too. One of my coping mechanisms when I get in a state of overwhelm, and the last time this happened to me was back when I was in medical school. I would get so overwhelmed with the sheer amount of work that needed to be done that I would fall asleep. So that became a habit. Like anytime I got really stressed out, I would fall like, oh, I'm a person with insomnia. So I thought at first maybe it was because I don't sleep at night, but it's like literally something emotionally big has happened. Boom, lights out, you know, and that's what's happening to me right now where I am literally like I can finish work usually by about 1.30, sometimes by 4 p.m. But all I want to do is like sink into bed. So it's DoorDash for dinner, if there's dinner. And, you know, Ami's just checked out, you know, and I don't know what it is, but I suspect it's depression and I can't put my finger on why it's happening. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I just read an article actually by a psychiatrist, Dr. Jesse Gold. Uh, someone posted it on uh, Instagram and um, I looked it up. It's really good. It's actually about this COVID cloud and that, you know, we're having uh, adults as adults having a hard time um, with focus and concentration. Um, not being as productive, but at the same time, like, why are we having the same expectations on ourselves to be as productive as we were in the pre-pandemic era? Era, Like, we're literally in a pandemic. Why are we expecting ourselves to, like, just keep giving and producing and making and... Well, because Amazon made, like, triple profits this year. Why can't we, oh. you know? <laughs> we probably, <laughs> I think well, that's we helped with kind that. of the capitalistic yes. mindset. You don't stop. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Yeah. It's interesting, yeah. 
But I mean, yeah, Uzma, that could. That's, we'll have to get that article. Yeah, I will. Um, I'll share it with you. I'll I'll text you guys, and it'll be. It's a. It's really interesting, and she kind of shares some uh, coping skills too. One of them is, um, is kind of um, honing down our own expectations, um, taking big goals or tasks, uh, and well, break big goals and breaking them down into into smaller tasks. Taking care of those basics like nutrition and um, sleep and exercise. And um, Uzma, yeah, sometimes, you know, we do kind of have to check out. And for you, uh, it could be the sleep. It's just like too much and your mind needs to rest. Um, for other people, it might be, uh, not to mention anybody, but it could be binging on um, Netflix uh, entirely way too much. I have not been. She's talking about me. She's talking about me. Okay, <laughs> everybody. I, the fact that I watched Hollywood no, Wives. Oh, my God. <laughs> the fact that I watched Bollywood Wives, that should tell oh. you something, people. Like, what the heck? But just to further what Uzma was, is saying, like, this is mm -hmm. actually really important because she's saying she herself yeah. doesn't really quite understand what is going on with her, right? Like, what's going And I think all of us on some level have something. We can post on Instagram our fancy pictures and our smiling and hello, everybody, COVID friendly, whatever nonsense. But as soon as that, that camera hits click, we're just like, oh, my God, everybody is dealing with something. So how do we know as moms when to take it seriously and be like, OK, this is not in the realm of normal and we should go seek help or are you okay to the point where you're like, okay, listen, we're all in a pandemic. It's okay to just go along to get along. DoorDash really is my best friend right now. I'm just not even going to lie mm -hmm. because I don't feel like cooking every single day. So like when, what, are there any telltale signs where you're like, okay, now is a time for you to go seek help versus like, honey, just go take a shower and go for a walk around the block. Well, I think it's when you feel like you know the coping skills, you know the kinds of things that kind of help you feel better usually, and it's kind of like not really cutting it anymore. It's not really working. And I guess it kind of, okay. we can kind of go into, okay, what are like the signs and symptoms of depression? Um, well, I guess number one, I don't even, I kind of feel, I'm of the mindset that you don't even have to wait till you're like cl clinically depressed for, for therapy. Sometimes people feel like their mm -hmm. problems have to be that. so big before you go see a therapist. The therapists see issues very, I mean, small to huge. And, and, and it's interesting, even when people are going through, like they present with very um, extreme or severe symptoms, they, you're right. They don't really recognize it themselves. They're like, they kind of feel that, Oh, uh, other people have it way worse and I have no reason to complain. Um, I'm not really, I mean, exactly. maybe I shouldn't even be here. Um, but you don't, there's not really like a litmus test or a, uh, like kind of a level of saturate, you know, that this, this score that you have to get to be like, okay, let, let me go get help now, especially, uh, to, to start therapy. Um, if you are, you know, kind of feel like you're having a hard time, I, I would say a few things like connecting with people, um, feeling very withdrawn, um, like just don't feel like the things that you basically that you used to like to do that used to bring you joy. I know there's, that's very limited right now, but even the things that you used to like to do on your own, they're just like not really giving you that, um, joy, um, then that could be a sign, um, you know, and it's not always feeling sad or crying or weepy. It can also be a, a state of numbness, you know, like just like not feeling anything, feeling really numb, um, feeling kind of blah, like just meh. Like, like you aggression too. I know a lot of people yes. it's aggression. Irritability is a really big one. It's like small things that you used to be able to tolerate. You just kind of go off the handle. Um, actually, and I think um, sometimes you can ask yourself that like, okay, there's just like really little things that are really setting that me off. Deal? 
Yeah. And, yeah. and I always also say that you'd have to look at the time too. Like it's okay to, you know, you might have a few days, like a few hours like this or a day or two, but definitely if that's going on for days on end and, uh, you know, into like, uh, weeks, then that's, that's definitely it. Another big thing is that that's definitely a time that you should kind of reach out for help. Um, some other key, um, I think signs would be, um, just kind of feeling like hopeless about the future, feeling kind of helpless. Um, you know, I think um, some people right at this point, you know, with the vaccine, we're kind of starting to see an end in sight. But if you are kind of like, well, whatever, like this is still going to go on for months and months, there's nothing to look forward to. If you kind of feel like you, you can't find things to look forward to, um, if you can't mm. see, I, I mean, I, I, I think that that would be, um, you know, it's hard. It's, 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 it's hard. It's sometimes it's hard being around people that are overly positive all the time too. Like my husband's actually doing okay. And I'm kind of like, will you just stop? Like, I get it. This overlining things. I can see them too, but just <laughs> let me just be in the state for a few minutes. Okay. <laughs> I want to complain. <laughs> you actually get to leave the house and your home like for a few. Anyway, that's a whole other. I love you, honey. But, um, same thing. <laughs> I know exactly. You have to be like, sorry, in case you're watching, we really do love you. Yeah. But yeah, actually, that's a big thing. I feel jealous of him. I feel jealous of him that I'm like, hey, you still have like, uh, uh, I mean, he has kind of a long commute. It's a little bit crazy, but I'm like, you have time to yourself in the car to like listen to something or talk on the phone, like being home all the time. Um, but yeah, I guess I think some of those things, you know, if you, there's no, like I said, there's no, it doesn't have to get to the point where it's really bad to get help. If you, and, and if you have yeah. any doubt, just start with seeing a therapist. You don't necessarily have to, um, see a psychiatrist, um, talk to somebody, you know, see your primary care physician. Actually, Uzma, I mean, mm -hmm. primary care physicians are really the gatekeepers and they're very well equipped in, um, in being able to treat uh, mental illness, depression, ba uh, basic, definitely I mean, even more complicated depression and anxiety. And they can let you know, if you're not really sure, then talk to somebody that, that might be able to guide you. But um, therapy, you can start anytime. It does not have to get to a point where it's very, where you have severe symptoms. And in fact, you shouldn't wait till that point. Um, you know, that therapy can help you with their self-awareness. And um, it's it's not just a place to vent. We, we think about therapy as like, okay, um, it's like a venting session. Sometimes people that we refer to therapy, like, they feel like they feel worse when they come out. It's it's There's two things. It's not a venting session. And it's not necessarily that the therapist is going to tell you exactly what to do or like how to problem solve, or they're not going to tell you how to um, you know, they'll help you with coping skills, but a lot of it is self-discovery and trying to figure out why this thing kind of triggered me or why I, you know, this comment made me feel this way. What is that? You know, it's a lot of self-exploration. It's not always going to be like a manual. You're going to come away with like the instructions of how to, you know, be or what to do. It's a process. I want to point out that even the primary care doctors may be gatekeepers and are really good at diagnosing and treating other people. <laughs> They make the suckiest yes. patients. So I'm just going to put that out there. Doctors are terrible mm -hmm. patients. And I think it's just a lot of that burden of responsibility that we take on that, oh, we have to fix yep. everybody. But you can't fix everybody if you haven't filled your own cups. And I think that's yep. what's happening. Like we're depleted mm -hmm. now. And it's, you know, spilling out into our home lives. I think maybe that's what's happening. I mean, I've had four COVID patients in the last 48 hours. Wow. Um, in my nursing home. Aww. So it's just, you know, you know how it's going to go. Mm -hmm. And I'm just done. 
you know, I just want to hide in bed with a blanket over my face. And so that's where I am. I'm like, so is this adjustment disorder? Cause this is longer than six months or is this just straight up depression or is this physician burnout? I don't know what it is now. That's the interesting thing too. The, I mean, the reality of it is that you're definitely seeing uh, something totally different than what the rest of us are seeing. And that's where a lot of physicians, um, we have, I mean, there, well, there's so many layers to this. Um, I, can probably say this because I don't think they're going to tune in, but I literally had to leave my extended family chat. I was so mad. Um, Basically like gathering and having, I know they're small gatherings, but like, you know, and I just was like, you guys, I've been like, we've all been posting stuff since March about this is airborne and we cannot gather inside. Like, why are we having a potluck right now? And it was affecting me that I was getting very upset and angry. And I'm like, okay, I just need to take a break. This is not good for my relationship. I can't control other people. I can only focus on what I can control. Um, But it was my, yeah, you really hit the nail on the head. We actually, there is, I'm sure you guys have heard of it. There's actually um, a friend of mine, Mm -hmm. she's a psychiatrist and she started this um, physician, specifically for physicians, physician helpline. And it's by physicians run by volunteer psychiatrists for specifically physicians. And it's because exactly like what you said, physicians oftentimes make the worst patients. And one of the reflections that they've had, they've taken, they fielded like thousands of calls now because it's been running really since um, end of March, beginning of April, continuously till now. And one of the main themes is that so many times when a, uh, somebody is calling in, they are almost apologizing for calling. Like, um, I'm so sorry. Yes. Other people have it worse. I know other people have it worse. Or I, I feel bad that I'm using this resource. I feel bad that I'm taking your time when somebody else could use it. We are just used to like putting other people ahead of us and um, and just feeling like some for some reason this uh, guilt when we're um, acknowledging or putting our own needs and what we perceived as in front of others. Um, so all of what you said is very true. And the the level of what you're seeing right now, yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine, especially nursing homes. I read an article about that or when I watched a news segment. And it's, um, you know, it's really sad. Like you're, um, you're uh, a physician and in and, and your role, you're seeing these patients day in and day out. Um, you're kind of filling in the role as their loved ones, their daughters, their sisters, Mm -hmm. their family, because they can't um, connect and see their loved ones as they used to. And we do know that that definitely plays a role exactly in their, in their mental decline and dementia. Um, It's really sad. I hope we can get them vaccines very quickly and that it helps. Inshallah. Yeah. I mean, they're first on the list to get it. So we're all signed up and ready to go, but let's see what happens because I feel like the pressure of, you know, to take the vaccine or not to take the vaccine and the conversations that are happening among lay people about that are also very strenuous to endure. So in the medical community, we're we're getting it from all sides. But, um, you know, you've been really cool about asking all your patients how they're doing, asking us how we're doing. But has anybody stopped to ask you, how are you doing? (laughs) Thank you. Um, I, um, I think so. You know what? I think I'm really blessed. Uh, you know, honestly, this is one of the blessings of really being in, being part of a community. Uh, number one, being part of a Muslim community. Um, even if it's not your local community, I feel like we kind of almost have like an instant connection with other Muslim moms, Muslim physicians. It's like, you kind of start with this, uh, foundation of commonality. And um, I feel very blessed that I have many circles that we do check in on. I've got my childhood friends. I have my um, other uh, physician Muslim mom friends that um, that I connect with regularly. And I was just telling them um, in one of my WhatsApp groups last night that I feel like just reflecting on how much um, 
having those check-ins and those uh, those small groups that we talk all the time has really helped me um, feel that sense of connection. Um, it's really easy to feel isolated right now um, because we don't have we can't see people physically. Um, so it's really important to um, just as you appreciate somebody doing that for you, reaching out to somebody. If you haven't talked to someone in a while, a text is great, but even just picking up the phone is, you know, sometimes that can mean the world to somebody. Um, and so I feel really lucky because I have been, I have a lot of people that I've been kind of constantly connected with. And I think that's kind of the beauty of social media. I know my mom the other day told me she thinks I'm spending too much time on WhatsApp, but you know what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't talk on the phone like they used to back in the day. We're not like, talk, talk, you know, this is, it's like, there is, yeah. um, there are some advantages of kind of being, having that connection. Yes, we should have some time to ourselves. We should take some time for self-reflection. Um, but it's really important to kind of maintain, have some of those connections. So I do feel like I do have people in my corner that are, are always there that are kind of like, how are you doing? And are you okay? It doesn't always feel like that all the time, right? We kind of do go through these periods where we just, especially as moms and as physicians, um, we're like taking care of everybody else. Everybody, you're right. You know, they're taught, they, I'm helping people with depression and anxiety and especially the days where it feels like nobody's doing well. It's like, it takes a lot out mm -hmm. of you and you're like, God, am I even really helping anything? Am I even making a dent in this? No one's doing well. How can, what, it does this make any difference, but then it'll take one person that, um, is doing okay. Or that, you know, maybe something you said or something that you, uh, some treatment plan that you, um, prescribed is, is actually helping. So you know, even just one of those uh, positives can kind of help you in your day. I'm hearing gratitude. Yeah. Gratitude <laughs> attitude is always the way to get through it. And I have to say, um, if, as, as someone who's not a physician, but obviously have family members that are, that are on the front lines, obviously my beautiful co-host as well. And you, Seba, thank you guys for all that you do, because we don't see the behind the scenes, right? Of what goes on with these physicians, with their families, because they're not getting necessarily the best of them either. Right. And yeah. is your party, like you said, worth all of that, like, you know, all of us yeah. are making sacrifices exactly. for the greater good. And, you know, we keep talking about it over and over and I, and I think till we're blue in the face, but the reality of the situation is we're all in this together. And the, the best way to kind of get through this as efficiently as possible, if, if all of us do our part. So I definitely wanted to thank you, Seba, you know, and I always appreciate you checking in on us um, and being one of our advocates here on Momming Wal Muslim. We were all so busy. Yes. As a community as a people that perhaps God was like, guess what suckers, you all need to slow down, mm -hmm. figure out what's important to you. And the people I can tell you, the people in my house are more important to me and I love everybody. But I, the fact that I could slow down and enjoy them, slow yes. down and have breakfast, for totally. them, slow down and listen to them griping with each other or the piles of laundry. When I'm like, how do we have all this pile of laundry when we don't go anywhere? But you know what? I'm enjoying every second of it. And I feel like we're going to look back on this when we're done because we will get through it yes. and look at it with fondness because we're never going to get this time again. So that's my soapbox. No, I agree with you, especially as our um, uh, as mothers and parents. We uh, we watch our kids growing up so fast. It does seem like it goes so fast. And yes. it's like, wow, we can actually kind of savor this. And I think that's why my husband is um, yes. feels that way, too. He's like, look, we have a high schooler. It's going to yes. go by so fast right now. 
Um, so and we, it, this is like bonus time in some ways, you know, it's, it's not easy it all the time, time, but it is bonus time. Yeah. And fi- and catching those moments in the day where like brother and sister are actually playing a game together or getting along yes. for a few minutes. Like now we get to actually see that in real time. So, yes, and I, and I, I did want to say that. too, uh-huh. I don't want to just, I mean, and definitely don't want to say it's just physicians. I mean, anybody, there's so many fields that people work. That's other, um, uh, I love what I love about my job is I get to know different people and what they do being in Detroit. I have, I see a lot of patients, um, that work and the big three that work on the SM in the plants and the assembly line, yeah, and the assembly how line, hard yeah. their job is and how much anxiety they have, like going to work, having to wear a mask in these conditions, worrying about people, if they're be, being honest about, uh, being exposed or a test or, you know, there's, there's, everybody has an important role in our society and everybody's feeling it in their own way. We're really all on the front line, you know, no matter what we're doing. But in terms of resources, I will say there's, there's so much um, for families. I really uh, love actually the, my medical association um, page, American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry, aacap.org mm-hmm. has really great information for families, for parents. ACAP, AACAP.org. Um, and then like the, every, basically every organization ha- has tabs for COVID right now. Uh, another one that I really like for um, kids' mental health is uh, the Child Mind Institute. It's based in New York. The website is childmind.org. And then just for as individuals, you know, the American Psychiatric Association, APA.org, American Psychological Association, APA maybe.com. Um, all of these organizations are like, you know, have great, I mean, you can find something for everybody. There's um, the, I think it's the Jed Foundation is for college students. Um, there's so many, I can um, send them to you and we can kind of post them in a bunch of links in the show notes as well. I think that'll be really helpful so that if people want to do any additional reading and look stuff up in the privacy of your own homes, you guys all have time to do that now and no excuse not to go get the help that you need because day by day right now that's one foot in front of the other is what i'm trying to do or just trying to get out of bed right now <laughs> for me it's like okay we're trying to get as much to get up out of bed take a shower and go for a walk around the block not just to her mailbox which yes. i've been trying to tell her i'm like don't just I go to the mailbox your, your instagram accountability for the walk yes the, I, I mean, it's really helpful so so oh, look you're her so sweet. up yeah. and Hey, and I, I live in Michigan. Honestly, I'm walking in 30, 40 degree weather. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I have 300 days of sun. I have no excuse. You not have to walk, no so. excuse, lady. Let's get it done. But until <laughs> next time, everybody, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Mommy Well Muslim. Assalamualaikum. Assalamualaikum, everyone. Thanks again for joining Zeba and Uzma on Mommy Well Muslim today. Please email us your thoughts or questions and follow us on Facebook and Instagram because this podcast was designed to cater your needs. Make sure you check out the show notes to find the links and resources for this episode. And remember to help a mama out and leave a review of the show as well as to like it on your podcast app of choice because that helps us grow. Tune in next week for another episode of Mommy Wall Muslim. Assalamu alaikum, everyone.